my name's Charles, and I'm, I'm in seventh grade. Uh, I'm 12, about to turn 13, and school is going well. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if virtual was, virtual was not bad, but I definitely like in-person better. Um, I'm Journey, I'm 10 years old, and I am in fifth grade. I like school, but it's just, I did like virtual much more because I did more stuff at home than I could do at school. So I would rather go back to virtual. And what did you do at home that you liked doing when it was virtual? When I'm at home, I can eat anytime I want to. Before New York City schools reopened this past September, schools around the country were opening and closing due to the rising COVID cases in the surrounding communities that eventually impacted the schools. Yet as we begin 2022, once again, schools are going remote around the country while New York City schools remain open. Let's take a moment to reflect on how reopening schools in South Carolina was in August 2021. I'm Ms. Mack, and this is Hall Pass Break. Dr. Ferlando Tullock is the superintendent of the Calhoun County Public Schools. He sat down to talk about reopening schools despite the rising COVID cases in South Carolina. That's quite a journey, you know, to be in education. How, what kept you going? Because I know for some people it's very hard, especially for men of color, um, to do so. So what has kept you throughout these years to continue to pursue more in doing an education? Um, it, it's going to sound funny, but um, I was inspired by sports. Um, as, as a kid, um, Michael Jordan was the figure during, during my childhood. And um, I always wanted to be the Michael Jordan of the classroom. And to be able to captivate kids and hold their attention and to be able to teach them. If you can hold their attention, they'll give you anything you need so that you can be able to teach them what they need to know. Um, and then again, teaching in my own neighborhood, I knew what the kids needed um, because I was one of those kids and I grew up with some of those kids, brothers and sisters and, and knew their family. So I knew it was more than just a st distinct curriculum that they needed. So being able to help kids um, was one driving force. But again, being um, somebody who could motivate them, help them um, was certainly another driving force for me um, as I got into education, um, my father, my parents, particularly my father, would ask questions in a unique way. He would give you the answer while he was asking the question. And he said to me, you're going back to school to get another degree, aren't you? And I said, well, I guess so. Um, and once I got that degree, he said, well, aren't you going to go back to school to get another degree, aren't you? And it just continually motivated me to be more, but also to help kids again. Um, I, I saw as a classroom teacher that I was impacting the lives of that 110, 112 kids that I had. And I said, if I can get into administration and I can touch all of these kids in the school. So that inspired me to go on to become an administrator within the building. I'm an assistant principal and even principal. And then to the district level, I was like, if, you know, if I can do this in a school, I can do this across a whole community, across a district. And that's what's led me to this point. Wow. And do you feel that you are making that impact that you began 
um, in the classroom at the district level? I think so. Um, I believe that I'm, and I smile behind this mask, I'm very non-traditional. Um, I don't stay, in, because I'm at the district office, I don't stay at that office. Um, I got into this to be a teacher. So you'll find me out in the schools. I know kids in the classrooms, particularly the SPED classes. I go in and I sit with kids. Um, you know, even now with COVID, you know, I go in and work with some young people in the classroom because that's that's what I do. If the teachers are going to be able to do this, then I should be able to help them as well because I can't put them in a situation I'm going to put myself in. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you've only been in South Carolina with your educational career. Have you been elsewhere or no, just all, here? All of my experiences have been in South Carolina. It's been from one from the coast to the mountains and now back down to the Midlands. Wow. So you've seen yeah, wide across range. Across <laughs> And I tell them, folks, my family's like the circus. We'll pull up our tent and we'll move and go wherever the town, wherever they need us. Yeah. This last year and a half with the pandemic has been quite a journey. New York City has been uh, very chaotic. Uh, for people who are not familiar with what's happened down here, what was it like having to teach um, and dealing with the education system and helping teachers and students throughout the year and a half for the pandemic? Um, it, it was quite a challenge, um, but I think teachers are made of something different. I think we're special people, um, built for the challenge. And um, it, it was different in a sense in terms of how we provided education for young people. And a lot of times people across the country talk about schools stopping. And, and they're absolutely wrong. School didn't stop. Buildings closed, right. but teachers continue to teach. Administrators were on computers helping do lessons. So the education process didn't stop. Yeah, we closed school buildings, but we didn't stop teaching kids. Right, right. So it's been quite a challenge. Um, it's, it's forced us, in a sense, to reinvent ourselves as educators. Um, a lot of us older folks weren't so tech savvy. Well, in order to keep up, you had to learn the technology. And, and luckily for us in this district, we were forward thinking where every young person has a computer, everybody has a device. So teachers have at their disposal programs, Google Meets, um, Google Hangout, all the Google, the Google platform in order to provide instruction. So once we went out, it, I'm not gonna say easy, but it was not as difficult as it was from some others for us to get started in terms of providing that online instruction. There's been a lot of outbreaks in the uh, COVID cases here, and I'm just wondering, how are you feeling about this in terms of, do you think this is going to continue that, like what happened last year where people had to be remote? And yeah, just talk about that. We, um, we certainly had to pivot really quickly in terms of providing instruction online and making a change. I, I still remember the Sunday that the governor closed schools. Um, and I still remember us making a whole lot of decisions in a couple of minutes um, that impacted the lives of a lot of people. Um, having said that, school, school is different um, because you've got not only now the responsibility of educating kids, we also have the responsibility of keeping kids safe. And before safe meant keeping bad people away, keeping weapons and drugs out of school. Safe now means something totally different in terms of virus and health. So that has really impacted what we do in terms of school. I, I am proud to say as we sit here today, although this is day 13 of school for us, we've got a number of people, um, young people and staff on quarantine and those so positive, our numbers are very, very low. So that says to me that we're doing something right within the schools. Um, 
the numbers that we have had positive or close contacts have all come from the outside. And once we do the contact tracing, it's coming back from the community, it's coming back from the gathering, it, from some type of event. It's not originating in the school, but unfortunately, it comes back to the school when a young person returns. Um, parents, for the most part, have been really, really good with us in terms of if a young person has been sick or exhibiting the symptoms of COVID-19, they keep them home. Okay. But then you've got some non-believers who um, continue to send young people to school. We have real good nurses in our buildings and administrators who look for those kids. If Philando Tulloch was sent home with some um, some type of um, virus symptoms, then they're looking to make sure I don't come back the next day. And if I do come back, they're putting me in some place in isolation until my mom comes back to pick me up. And so at this school, is there an option to be blended or it's just right now you're just fully open, not even being remote? We're fully face-to-face -face at this point. Um, we did surveys, a number of surveys um, last spring to find out from our folks, if uh, our stakeholders, if they wanted a virtual experience. Um, and the numbers are very, very few. Um, in South Carolina, if you offer a virtual experience and more than 5% five, 5 or more of your kids go into that experience, then you lose funding. Um, but it would also have been very difficult because we're small for us to have a staff teaching virtually and a staff teaching face-to-face -face based on the numbers that we had last spring. So we decided to go fully face-to-face -face and we got all of our young people in school. We do have some who, um, who have elected to leave us, um, when I say leave us, go to a virtual district until this um, the pandemic is over, until this threat is done. And, they, and they've said, Mr. Tuller, we, we, we gotta go because I don't feel safe because my child has a respiratory illness, because my child has an immune issue. So we understand things like that, but they're saying when, when things are better, they will come back to us. And I see that you're wearing a mask, are, and the staff is. Are students able to wear the mask, or do they need to be vaccinated along with staff, or how is that working with um, safety? When it comes to the mask, we, we cannot mandate that our young people or staff wear masks. We strongly encourage. Um, so we ask that our young people wear masks. We're asking our staff wear masks. We, we can't mandate that they do so. Um, our kids, again, have been really resilient, most part, and they understand. If this gets to be a problem, it's going to cause us to close school. So for a year and a half now, almost two years, they haven't been with friends. So they've been doing the right things in terms of wearing the mask, staying clean in terms of washing hands and things like that, so that we can stay in school. So we, we've been really blessed in terms of kids following directions, in terms of staying safe. Um, we have quite a few, and I look across the street um, at the, the K-8 school. We've had a number of vaccine clinics throughout the community that comes through my office as well. Uh, today, we've got a clinic at the um, K-8 school for kids 12 and older and anybody in the community who wants to be vaccinated. So, Thur, you just got your shot. How's it feel? Uh, pretty good. It hurt a little bit when she put it in, when she took it out, but it wasn't that bad. It feel pretty good right now. You feel like you're going to feel safer when you go out there and especially in school? Yeah, especially when I take my mask off to eat. Journey, you just saw your brother get the shot. How do you feel about seeing your brother being vaccinated? I want to get it, but I'm too young. Quick note, at the time, children ages 5 through 11 were not eligible for the vaccine. Okay, I'm a nurse. I highly encourage um, patients, I shouldn't say patients, but I highly encourage you to be vaccinated. Parents, make sure your kids wear a mask. And please, if your child is 12 years old and older, please have them come out and be vaccinated. This is real. People are dying every day. 
And the only way to get a handle on it is by being wearing masks and being vaccinated. So I was just wondering, you just mentioned football, are they still having after school activities? And what's the protocol when it comes to sports or even gathering in large numbers with people? We, we're continuing on just like school is just less as normal. Um, again, when young people are playing sports, they don't have to wear the mask. Now football being an outside sporting event, um, they're, they're, it's a little more easier, I should say, to be able to police it. So when the kids are coming off the field and onto the sidelines and they're asked to put their mask on, um, cheerleaders, they're outside, they keep their masks um, handy when they're not cheering. Once they throw a chair, they take the mask off their wrist, they put the mask back on. Um, we got volleyball going on as well, same thing. When the kids are on the floor, they take the mask off. When they come off the floor to the sidelines, to the bench, they put their mask back on. And that same protocol has been used for basketball, baseball, you name it, softball, throughout all of the sports. Okay. And so far, so good. So far, so good. We have not had any positive outbreaks um, in any of the sports. Really? Yeah, that's great to hear. I, I'm just wondering, because you all have done such a great job, you know, to make sure the kids understand. You haven't been in school for over a year and a half. If you don't do what you need to do, then you're going to be back remote, right? So I think that is, speaks volumes about reinforcing that. I just wonder around the state, why is it, do you think, that this has been so difficult for parents and students to understand when it comes to being vaccinated, wearing the mask, because there's been so many outbreaks to the point where people have to close schools and it's not even the, you know, you're not even a full month in. Yeah. I, I think there's, um, there's a contingency of believers and non-believers. Um, I'm a believer, I, I wear my mask, I've been vaccinated, um, I stay my distance still and so I don't get, pick up something, give to somebody else, I still can get sick. Um, but folks have made, um, a public health issue, a political issue, in, in my opinion. And it should not be that. We ought to be doing what we can in order to save lives. We've got kids in our buildings who are less than 12 years old, from three years old until uh, up until 11 years old, who can't be vaccinated. They can't do anything to help themselves. We've got to be the ones to help them. So we've got to be vaccinated, we've got to wear our masks, and we've got to be the example for those young people so we can keep them healthy, because this, this virus affects young kids as well. What do you think that um, you've learned that we can implement in the city that has worked for you all so that way we can have a successful school, at least the beginning part, you know, to make sure we're, we are safe and in, with protocols. Um, and I think you just said it, the protocols. Have protocols, have written, established protocols, and everybody understands what those protocols are. I don't care how big or small you are. I think common sense plays a huge part in this. Wear your mask, get vaccinated, you know, separate, distance yourself in small groups. If you can do those things like, like we have, you'll be able to stay open. Now, that's not to say that our kids won't go away this weekend for the holiday for to something and come back in with it. So, you know, we'll have to address that when it does come. But if we can keep them wearing masks and keep them clean and keep them distancing from one another, I think we'll be fine. And I think if others would do the very same, they'll be fine as well. Like for New York City, we actually are going to be testing the students when they come in Done. for their reading and math in uh, September. And then in October, we're going to be doing a social emotional piece. So I don't know if you've done that and done. what you've found so far, if you got the results back. Done. Um, when our kids came in the door, we do what we call AIMS testing as well as STAR testing to get reading and math levels for our young people. We had that when um, we had that assessment, those assessments done in the spring when they were with us. So we've got the data from the spring. We've got the data from when they just came back to compare to see if anybody grew, anybody lost any ground. So that helps us tailor the instruction for that individual student. Uh -huh. So you're just, you're just tailoring in terms of their class schedule and then 
Okay. Because it's no need to waste time. If you know the multiplication tables, why sit and make you go through that for six weeks when we could have been teaching you something else? So we're trying to make the most of our time in terms of helping kids get further along than where they are now. Again, being out for a year and a half, we've lost a lot of ground. We've lost a lot of time, so we've got to use our time wisely. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's a good point. For thinking about people who are on the fence about education or maybe not, may want to leave, what advice would you give them to keep going despite you know this hardship we've had during the pandemic don't leave don't leave you're you're here for a reason there's a conviction that you have why you chose this the profession stay stick it up things are going to turn things will get better for us it's going to look different but things will look better so stick it out kids need you and right now we're suffering a shortage across this country. We are here in our district as well in terms of good educators. Don't leave because it's going to make it even more difficult. And that one teacher leaving could impact that one community. It could impact our society. So we need teachers to stay. Good teachers need to stay. Sir, what's your favorite subject in school and why? Uh, I like, well, my favorite subject is ELA because I like reading, but then I don't like it at the same time because I don't like writing. Math, because some problems are very easy, like addition, subtraction. Crystal Ziegler, who has been teaching since 2005, is the district instructional technology coach, as well as the high school technology coach. She talked with me about helping teachers and students navigate technology. Well, you know, this past year and a half has been quite a challenge, and you're a tech person, so mm -hmm. I think... Yes. Talk to, how was that for you? I had somebody the other day um, when they learned of my position went, wow, of all the times to step into that. <laughs> um, but with the pandemic, our kids need the best and our teachers need the best to be able to pull this off. So I have gladly stepped in to make sure they have everything possible to be able to continue doing their job to the best of their ability for our students and teaching them how to use Google Meets and every time Google changes, working with them to learn those changes so they don't feel lost because then in front of their kids, they feel like, oh my gosh, I can't do my job and I don't want them to feel that way. So I guess that was quite a challenge for you because you had to deal with many questions. Yes. I mean. <laughs> my phone and my email are constantly going off. <laughs> oh my gosh. How, so how was that like, you know, for you? Because I, I can imagine before it was just simple questions, but then now that we were heavily reliant on it what how, what challenges did you face trying to field all these questions from just teachers and the district and it's having to because just like with in being in a classroom with kids on different levels you have teachers on different levels so having to make sure that you have the information where you can relay it on those different levels because I've got some teachers that can take it fly with it and go with it and then I've got some that are timid and worried about it and they want you there and it does make it harder being virtual to sit and say okay go here go here go here so that has been a challenge and I I feel for our kids and I feel for our teachers because I'm in that role with them of where are you at and having to do it over a phone or do it through a google meet and you can't see it right then and there but we're it takes patience how would you feel like this year would be better for you or last year when it came to tech, what, what did you need to support you to get through it? My biggest thing this year is, and this I will say, thank goodness, to the current situation, I got the ability to go to ISTE, the Technology National 
worldwide technology conference this summer and that helped a lot because I could go and see things that were being done in other areas and be able to bring it back versus me just sitting here by myself in St. Matthews trying to find something that my teachers would need. I also presented at the local South Carolina Business Summit so therefore I got to see some things that other schools in the district were doing and I am going to be presenting at EdTech, our South Carolina conference in October. So I'll get to go to that and further continue seeing what's going around this. How's it been so far when it comes to getting back into the groove and helping teachers and students with technology? It's slowly coming along. Um, we have kind of a hiccup this year with our computers. Um, ours aren't quite here yet, so we're working off of what we had, but we're making it work and just making sure everybody has that comfort level and if there's something that they need help with, I'm there to help them. How has it been like for you, not only as an educator, Mm -hmm. but balancing having your kids and being a a parent during this pandemic? Um, But I was fortunate last year they stayed in school because their school is small. Um, And right, and just like with us though, they were fine last year as far as, they had a couple cases here and there but with this different virus um it has gotten kind of interesting this past week they've had a lot come out um so i'm kind of worried as to what's going to happen with them my nephews they're out until after labor day because of it they they're in school in orangeburg um so it's just watching them especially with my junior and how things have changed for her they're not allowed to do as much as they would when it was normal um and it makes me feel for them because they don't get that experience that they otherwise would have and not having to worry about oh i can't go to this person's house i can't go do this but they're adapting as kids do and handling it i've been hearing a lot of what's happening around the state when it comes to the school closures but mm. luckily for you guys You've been okay. And We've so, been okay at the moment. Yeah, okay. We're trying to hold on. I have some friends that work in some other districts, and they've, they're have they bowing down until after for two weeks and going to virtual learning. Um, we have been very fortunate here with our students. Our biggest issue is trying to give them that break time so they get that downtime and get to see their friends, but they're kids. They don't understand. I need to stay away, so that's been a little scary so that might end up having to change that to how we were last year when we finally did come back in the building of their having to eat breakfast and lunch in the classroom Mm. just so we can keep them distanced that but they seem to be handling things well with using sanitizer and everything we've been fortunate that our numbers have been low i'm just worried because i've seen it how it's going around the state and it's climbing and it's worse now than it was last year yeah, I was going to say, it's for everyone, it seems. Mm-hmm. Like, we went backwards. Yeah. Like, we didn't even learn. Like, last year was a practice, and... Right. Now we think it's over, and it's worse. So, I'm wondering, in terms of how we can maintain this, because right now, like, you're open, and mm-hmm. I know um, Tulloch said that if we actually had protocols in place, but, you know, for other schools, why do you think it's been such an issue when it comes to these outbreaks and school closures? it's really down to and we're hands are tied with some of the protocols in place and you can't mandate some things that we could mandate last year with the masks and whatnot and 
set. They're gonna have to change some things if they want us to try to keep. They want school open, but you've relaxed everything, so you can't have both. Right. What are you hoping for when it comes to this year and education in general that we could just kind of make it better or even just what are we learning during this time? I can tell you the one thing I've learned is don't be afraid. Um, we, we can't be afraid. I think in the beginning, we all kind of sat on our hands, we twiddled our thumbs, waiting for the next thing, waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to happen to make a decision. Where I think if we had just made decision in terms of um, what kids needed and provided that outside of mandates that we close schools or mandates that we can't wear masks, if we were just bold enough to do what we were supposed to, and that's to educate kids. If we just said we're going to educate kids and we're going to do it to the best of our ability, I think we would have been fine. But that's hindsight. Again, looking back, I just think if we were bold enough to make some real tough decisions, I think that we would be further along than we are right now in terms of kids and where they are in, in their education. Because we got kids, again, who have been away from us in a year and a half, and, and not being with us, that's a huge detriment. If, you know, you miss two days of school, yeah. that can really put you behind. But a year and a half, we've got some real challenges to overcome. I, my prayer is that this goes away. And, but, and a lot of people say, I just want it to go back to normal. And I always say, it's like Pandora's box. Once you've opened it, you can't close it. So our world is never going to be as it was. We just have to take the way we used to do things and the way we do things now and make it fit with each other. But it's a new normal. And I'll be honest, in watching our kids, there's some kids virtually maybe a better option for them. They might have that social issue that home's better for them. And But then there's those kids that they've got to have that in-person help to do it. And to be able to give kids those options and personalize their experience will end up making our kids happier as well. So that would be one thing I'd like to see come out of this. Yeah, I think the whole key is the options. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to go to school. Because I, I taught night school, mm -hmm. and there were some kids who virtually, it worked. Because they right. could do the work whenever they could. But, you know, when you just have school only open and that's the option, it really limits some kids. So I, I agree. This it is does. And we're... School was set up as an agri during an agricultural society setup. We're not that anymore. We've got to adapt. Ooh, what I do hope is that them school lunches will get better. Hope that algebra one doesn't get that hard. I'm not worried about that because eventually they're going to shut down the school. I know it. And then how do you feel if they shut down the school again and you're back online? We'll be happy. <laughs> Virtual or remote learning may be fun for some, but not for everyone. Students and teachers need support and to feel safe during these uncertain times. Hopefully as we continue the school year, we can have time to reflect on the importance of education in school buildings. I want to thank Dr. Philando Tuluk and Crystal Ziegler for taking the time to speak to me about their experiences. Thank you to my cousins Third and Journey for providing their perspective as students. Thanks to my aunt Rosalind Jenkins for connecting me with the educators of Calhoun County School District in South Carolina. And thanks to my cheerleader and supporter of the podcast, Nadella Nakobe. Music was provided by Scott Nice, Macchiato Funky, and The Gaze. Be sure to subscribe to Hall Pass Break on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And you can follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The quote this week is by none other than the godfather of soul and South Carolina native, James Brown. 
If you don't get it the first time, back up and try it again. Thanks for listening.